90.9 FM, CJSW. You are listening to Rave Dad's Diary, and we just heard music from Sean Beaver. That was Mountain Food from the release, the releases I never speak of, which came out in October. We're going to listen to a conversation I had with Sean Beaver uh, about one year ago when we connected over Zoom to talk about electric turtle dreams if you like sean beaver's music you can check out his band camp it's sean beaver s-e-a-n-b-e-a-v-e-r and you can find all of his music for sale on Bandcamp. here is that conversation from a year ago with sean beaver I'm here with Sean Beaver, a Cree producer and DJ originally from Driftpile First Nation in Treaty 8 territory. Sean's also the artistic director of Drumbeat Entertainment, an Indigenous-led production company with a vision to create community and bring Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists together in order to create dialogue, music, and friendship. Hi, Sean. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. The, the the listeners at home can't see what I can see, but it looks like you're inside of a spaceship. Where are you right now? This is my control room in my studio at home. It's probably half the time I spend here, if not sleeping, the other half at work in, a, in, another, in another control room. <laughs> From spaceship to spaceship. I was looking at your bio, and... I saw that you're a former member of Red Nation, which is an indigenous hip-hop group. And when I was in grade 10, Red Nation performed at my high school in Alex, Alberta. So you've been in this game for a minute. Tell <laughs> yeah, me, I've been around for a while. Tell me how you got hooked up with Red Nation. Well, Red Nation feels like it was eons ago. It was um, a project that friend of ours uh, had put together uh, in an offshoot of a other group that I was kind of uh, more or less fifth Beatle kind of involved with. The original group was the um, full-blooded, full-blooded camp or full-blooded crew or FBC, whatever the acronym would have been at the time. Uh, Full-blooded was a group of four people and, they started here in Calgary, actually, and they had uh, performed as an indigenous group, the four of them, and then it started to um, to build where they're doing hip hop and indigenous music. And myself, being what was I? I was young, anyways. I was underage, so being on the road or doing any touring or going to do any events was uh, a little bit more difficult, as 
I was underage and the rest of the group, they were older. So that was uh, for me to sit back and watch kind of thing. But once the, uh, the group started to evolve, uh, Red Nation, that is, uh, the my brother was also in the group of well both groups and then just kind of offshoot off into red nation to kind of pursue the endeavor a little bit more i at the time was uh still doing music uh we had uh, i was with this other gentleman uh, he, uh, a Jor- uh, guy from jordan and he had uh he was, he's been in music for a while. So him and I kind of connected while we were in school and it's a, it was over music. It was like, Hey, I, I know you rap and like, Hey, I know you sing kind of thing. So, uh, he had, uh, received a grant or pursued, uh, to record something back in the day. And it was, um, it was for a single that was, what was it? Uh, I think he got funded from Alberta Council or something, and it was for to release a single on a, a worldwide compilation that was going to be pushed out, um, distributed throughout the world, and it was like a showcase of Alberta's best talents kind of thing. And so, this was 1996, and here I'm aging, uh, I'm dating myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> in 1996, it, him and I were on the single, and it was. Uh, distributed worldwide and i think uh, it was more or less track listed from best to worst in a, in a sense <laughs> and uh, we're track number two on the album hey so that was kind of cool yeah and so this was 1996 so the full-blooded full they were doing their thing and um, i was doing my my own thing and then i'm not sure of full-blooded came to like a halt or resolve or they retired or just kind of put everything on hold for a while or whatever it may be. But, uh, red nation kind of came up in 2000 and it was, um, a group that was kind of showcasing indigenous heritage with urban music kind of thing. And, uh, I was at the time in 2000 DJing in clubs so I already had uh, the club experience and working with sound engineering, uh, tech, um, some some backline or whatever it may be. Just having the uh, the experience of working with music and uh, having the equipment had me uh, more or less be um, recruited into the group my brother was also in the group for a while for for a short period of time before i was a full member into the group so it was a good thing that my brother was in the group because him and i were um it was was more like the support group in a sense because him and i were able to connect within the group outside of uh full-blooded or within red nation and i was more or less always his uh kind of like his little hype man (laughs) <laughs> so it helped. And then throughout the years, uh, Red Nation just evolved into uh, being a group that was there for Indigenous youth. And then we traveled throughout North America, uh, won a couple of awards, we released a couple of CDs, had a couple of music videos, you know, all of the bigger things. And then we retired the group in 2013 of October. You've had a pretty impressive music career from that point uh looking at your releases and and your production credits and i want to talk more about your music specifically in in a little bit but 
let's talk about what you're doing right now with Drumbeat Entertainment. I know Richard, a.k.a. DJ Blackfoot, who's a programmer mm-hmm. here on CJSW, and I got to shout out the doghouse. Uh, Richard's, <laughs> Richard's one of your creative partners on Drumbeat. How did you get hooked up with those guys? So with Richard, I've known him for a little while. Him and I have met a couple of years back, and that was with one of his, uh, I think it was Night Lodge or uh, Tribal Night, one of those nights that he had at Habitat Living Sound. And it was basically a night to showcase Indigenous artists, uh, electronic or DJs, and bring them into the, I guess, the nightlife experience and kind of showcase that as a whole night and then have support of some allies within the city or or around surrounding areas that would uh, also give support to Indigenous artists on that same platform. So him and I have been, uh, we've known each other for a while uh, and then... I did an, a couple other of his uh, nights that he had at Habitat, kept in, top and, uh, kept in contact with him. And then him and I were just kind of working on different things until the whole pandemic showed up. And, you know, all things went to a let's DIY everything kind of thing. Yeah. So in, in a perfect world, you'd be working on live events. Uh, how has Drumbeat continued to connect with audiences through the pandemic? Yeah, because, you know, live events would always be the greatest and best thing to happen. But mm-hmm. if you can't talk to people, be with people, or be in front of people, it makes it a little harder. Uh, Drumbeat had uh, had a little jump-off point in uh, the beginning of the pandemic. I think it was April, April May. It's, it's only been months, but it feels like a very long time since those first couple of months. Um, so... There was a talks about having a, a virtual event online. It's like, how could we do this? Uh, Richard was having talks with a friend. And then <clears throat> I've already been in experience of dealing with some things online. My uh, experience with uh, sound engineering and technical side, he uh, had reached out and had reached out to me to see if there was a possibility that if we do a virtual fest, then would I want to be involved? And I said, sure, let's do this. And then from there, there was the the first, I guess, testing or tryout of the virtual powwow festival, 01, or maybe even 00, whatever you want to call it. And basically it was a bunch of, uh, a few DJs. There was myself, Richard, uh, I think... Matthew who goes by DJ creation in Edmonton mm-hmm. and uh, Eugene, he goes by uh, young Dene out of uh, Vancouver uh, that I can remember who was on the bill. And we just kind of had taken an hour each. Oh, also I think it was Caleb Simeon here from, from the city. And we we're just more or less grabbing a cell phone and camera and cell phone microphone and just kind of record uh broadcasting from our uh, our own little locations and more or less it was a turn up the music and hopefully it gets picked up by the microphone <laughs> and then that started to build and uh things got a little bit more uh, intense i guess uh how could we make this better what it is what is it that we could do to uh, increase the quality 
what should we do to branch out to reach out to other DJs that might be interested in this? And then we have all this whole other uh, network of uh, DJs of up and coming or DJs we already know that are uh, uh, bigger names or whatever it may be. And then let's try to build this. And um, from there, I was more on the uh, the back uh, in, in the uh, in the background, not so much part of drum boot, drum beat, but uh, just helping out. So I've always been there helping out Richard. And then so after we've done so many different uh, virtual power festivals and increased the quality and uh, had more webcams or a webcam and direct audio that you can get it directly from your your uh, your console or your your controller or whatever it is, increase the value or not the value, but increase the quality of the stream and uh, reaching out with different uh, DJs that we knew build a built a bigger power festival schedule and so um after all all of doing all of that uh within a couple of months uh richard kind of reached out and said that uh you know this is a bigger thing than he had imagined so he enlisted the help of a couple of people and i was one of them amazing and i mean those virtual powwows made uh made waves and actually uh i, I remember they made the news uh uh, you know, in some other spots uh, as well. I think the Washington Post uh, <laughs> included uh, a graph about it um, in an article. Uh, so, I mean, that's great that you're finding ways of, of connecting with, with folks. It, can you tell me about what you're working on right now? Do you have any, uh, uh, you know, 3.0 projects uh, in the works? For Drumbeat, there are a couple of things that are in the works coming in from next month. We're, we've had a meeting the other day and we're sitting and chatting with uh, a new member, actually, who's been brought on into the group. Uh, there are currently four, uh, Richard being the, the the manager, CEO, big head honcho of Drumbeat, and uh, Caleb Simeon, who's also the talent director or the executive talent director, myself, who is the executive artistic talent director, and then uh, Rance, who's new to the group, will uh, have the position of, I think, uh, project manager or something to that nature it's more of a uh, getting it done yeah it's like it's it's still in the works on what it is that he's going to be doing and uh, more of the uh, the name is open to what it is he's going to be for his position but uh, yeah we welcome him to the group he's been doing a lot of the green screen stuff on uh, Richard's streams so he's always been part of drumbeat just hasn't really officially been part of the the crew yet so now that he is as of the other day it's like hey welcome to the group you've always been part of the group but uh, here's the uh, the official i guess uh for this next coming month there's uh, a few things that we haven't have, have lined up that we're uh working out a couple of the details so that's going to be something for next month and yeah there's a few things in the whole month so that's that's great Awesome. I mean, you're you're across all of the social media channels. Uh, just if I, I Google Drumbeat Entertainment or look it up on Facebook, uh, there's there's lots of info there. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff is also on drumbeatentertainment.com. So we've more or less built a built up a presence online, which is good because of the whole pandemic. Basically, everything is online now. Totally. Yeah, for myself personally, you know, it's what do I do next? <laughs> I want to talk about your music now. And uh, you put out an album this year called Electric Turtle Dreams. Can you tell me about that? 
So Electric Turtle Dreams is my fourth album. And uh, the three previous albums that I had before, they were more of a year per year per year kind of shoot that I was doing. Uh, They were released every year kind of thing that I was more or less hoping for, but that really didn't happen for my fourth one because I had a couple other projects on the go and they just kind of uh, put my own material or my own pro my own works on the back burner. So I had opened up a bunch of time for me to start working on my fourth album, the electric turtle dreams. And I decided to release it on my birthday. So I was like, yay, I can have something that's meaning meaningful to me. And even if it doesn't do well, then at least I'm going to be the person that will enjoy it in a sense, because I've released it on my birthday as a gift. So I released it this year on February 29th. And that is a leap day because I'm a leap year baby, ah. which is kind of, yeah, which is kind of weird because it's my fourth album. Uh, and leap year comes every four years. So your, your music. And I mean, I, it looks like your approach to music is really personal. Why, why do you uh, wear your, your heart on your sleeve with your music? That's a good question. I really don't know the answer, but um, I'm really not too sure. Uh, for me, I think it could be because of um, on how I have my music. It's more of an outlet for me. So it's a, a sense of healing. I will have something in my head. I haven't had uh, the, the knowledge previously in my youth or my young adult life to kind of put it all together constructively in a melodic or a, 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 a somewhat correct arrangement to put it onto a canvas, which is um, the mix down of a song or some sort of track. So within the past decade or so uh, with some experience, some knowledge, some research, some practicing, a lot of practicing, <laughs> A lot of endless nights uh, looking at different things on how music is kind of constructed, how I want to construct it, how I put it out together has made it a little bit more easier in the past uh, few years for me to sit down, put something that I have in my brain, uh, my brain out into an, uh, an audio spectrum. Uh, it more or less has a, a healing aspect for me because there's a lot of different things that I've gone through in the years as a lot of different, a lot of people do. And within, you know, the past couple of years, I've been, been able to kind of read or decode those messages, songs, whatever they they are sounds, whatever they are in my brain and put them to, uh, put them to tape per se, as opposed to writing, a, writing a song with lyrics and then wrapping it out or whatever over a beat. Something that's already been pre-constructed. Uh, being an instrumental artist, it's a little bit harder to kind of put that together, but um, it's more of being able to cohesively put together a track, something that I know that I've put my feelings into, and uh, they don't necessarily need to have uh, lyrical emotion to it, but it's perceived by the listener to either hear what I thought that I was putting into it and if they're able to hear that, great. That's a bonus. You know, that's obviously something that I want to have the listener hear when they're listening to my music, that there's a sort of connection there, which could be cultural, uh, emotional, or even physical in a sense. You put together a mix for us to listen to, 
and it looks like it contains mostly or all original material. Can you tell us what we're going to hear? So the mix does contain four albums, uh, tracks from all four albums. Mostly a lot of them are from the Electric Turtle Dreams because I feel that most of them have uh, – they more have they they have more of my familiar or if not my more current sound. So I wanted to keep with that, and always moving forward, having something that's uh, current. Uh, I would like to push more. But there are a couple of tracks from, like say, Safe Haven from my first track. Pro- I mean, my first album, Project Axiom, which was released in 2013. Now that one, I just I think it was just put a, a lot of time was put into it, so there it was uh, well constructed in a sense. It's one of the uh, I wouldn't say heritage, but um, it's very timeless in in that sense. And then also there is um, this groovy track that I have from uh, from Torn, which is my second album, and it just it's very um, back in the day. Uh, I, I don't really want to say trancey or techno, but it, it's like a ravey i guess in in a sense that kind of wraps up close to the end and then we have uh, a couple from my new year's new year's day album uh house grooves which is a groovy little track that uh, has a nice little bass line and one of them that ends the the rest of the mix with uh my spirit is right my spirit is rising with my brother amazing I'm excited to have a listen. Thank you so much, Sean, for putting together this mix and for speaking with me today. Well, I thank you, Paul. It's been great. FM, CJSW. You are listening to Rave Dad's Diary. We just heard my conversation with local producer Sean Beaver. That was recorded one year ago. Sean has new music out. Check out his latest release titled The Releases I Never Speak Of. There's also a remix EP featuring some local producers and Sean remixing them and vice versa. Go check all of that out on Sean Beaver's 
Bandcamp. We're going to let this mix ride. This is all original music from Sean Beaver. Enjoy.
90.9 FM CJSW. You are listening to Rave Dad's Diary, and we have been in the mix with Sean Beaver. Check out Sean Beaver's new album, The Releases I Never Speak Of. There's also a remix EP that's out. You can get all of that stuff on Sean Beaver's Bandcamp. That's Sean Beaver, S-E-A-N, Beaver. Ears Wide Shut is coming up next. Keep it locked on CJSW all day long, 90.9 FM CJSW. Haunting debut album Black Moon by Civic TV provides a cinematic backdrop, a modern-day symphony of dark and light that is our collective reality. Take a listen to Black Moon now, available via Flemish Eye Records and on all streaming platforms. Welcome to the Reference Desk. My name is Andrew Baldock, and should you have never heard this feature before, we dig through loads of music to find new and old artists, albums, singles, whatever really makes us go, whoa. And today's episode is no different. Under the magnifying glass, we're examining a psychedelic rock outfit from Down Under. And before you get too excited, no, it's not King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, nor is it Tame Impala, Pond, or the Murlocs though they are counted among their influences. Today we're talking about psychedelic porn crumpets. Hands down, the best music from the worst band name I have ever heard. I've heard some pretty awful band names. Psychedelic Porn Crumpets hails from Perth, Australia and plays some of the most hook-laden, high-energy psych rock I have ever encountered. Like, get a load of this smattering of riffs.
So who is Psychedelic Porn Crumpets? They're a five-piece outfit consisting of Chris Young on guitar and keys, whichever is needed, Luke Reynolds on bass, Danny Caddy on drums, Luke Parrish on lead guitar, and Jack McEwen, the band's singer and lead songwriter. This is an Alberta emergency alert. Alberta Emergency Management Agency has issued a province-wide test alert. This alert is in effect for Alberta. This is only a test. If this had been an actual emergency or threat, you would now hear instructions that would assist you to protect you and your family. For details visit www.emergencyalert.alberta.ca or stay tuned to local media. fiction to fact when they formed the real deal. In the same interview, McEwen detailed that early days of PPC were pretty easygoing. He says, I really didn't think we'd ever make it out of Perth, as there were so many good bands springing up at the time. I'd always wanted to write an album, so it was kind of nice, silently lurking in the Perth shadows, crafting away on High Visceral Part 1 with zero pressures of a time frame or deadline. We felt like underdogs, so it was nice to spend a solid year tweaking away the best of our amateur abilities. enough, comparisons to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard don't stop with their sound and region. Just like King Giz, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets releases all their music on their own record label, What Reality Records. And apparently this has been the plan from the band's very inception. They've always had a very strong DIY attitude. In fact, they're still recording and producing their own music using the exact same computer and software from their inception. In an announcement published in Happy Magazine, PPC stated, What reality represents the DIY approach of getting stuck into existence, taking a risk, pursuing ideas, setting goals, and trying to dream big while giving ourselves a leg to stand on? In PPC, we just wanted to make records and play gigs, so it feels like the logical progression is to set up a platform where we can make that happen and profit from it while remaining independent. We all have other side projects or bands we formed that we'd love to expand on and release albums that can also be pressed to vinyl. So far, What Reality Records has only released material from one non-psychedelic porn crumpets band. That one is a side project of keys and guitar player Chris Young called People Taking Pictures. It's another psychedelic affair, but less rock and more alternative, including genre bending, lo-fi beats, jazz, and alternative hip-hop structures. Plus, some rap passages. Clunk Magazine asked McEwen what he thought was the secret sauce leading to so many Australian psychedelic rock bands getting unexpected international success. He says... 
There's probably hundreds of reasons. I can't speak for the majority of Australia. Melbourne obviously got hooked on the OCs. But Perth, I reckon, it all boils down to how isolated we are. There's very few international acts that visit us, which creates great opportunities for local bands to pack out larger rooms with not much competition. Then the East Coast gets a whiff of a Perth band doing 500 tickets every month, and they want to check them out. The festivals pick you up, radio plays your music, and the sad part is the East Coast probably has a thousand better musicians or bands that struggle to get out of their bedroom or Tuesday night support shows in a basement because Elton John's doing seven nights to a million people who want to watch him and not your insane 20-piece polyrhythmic hip-hop psych band, no matter how good it is. Large cities will always be competing with 20 or more international acts each night. So if you want to take away from this episode of The Reference Desk, make sure you support your small-time local musicians. Preaching to the choir, I know, but it's a good sermon. As of writing, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets has put out four albums. High Visceral Parts 1 and 2, and now for the Whatchamacallit, and Shiga, The Sunlight Mound. All of which are nearly impossible to get on vinyl for a retail price, as they always seem to sell out immediately. Believe me, I have tried. That concludes another episode of The Reference Desk. My name's Andrew Baldock, and I'll catch you next time. Something makes me go, listening to CJSW 90.9 FM, Calgary's only campus and community radio station.